This is Tech Transforms. I'm Carolyn Ford. Each week, Mark Sinell and I talk with top influencers to explore how the U.S. government is harnessing the power of technology to solve complex challenges and improve our lives. Hi, thanks for joining us here on Tech Transforms. I'm Carolyn Ford with my co-host, Mark Sinell. Hey, Mark. Hey, good morning, Carolyn. Good morning, morning, Katie. Yes. Good and morning. Katie, today's our, our guest today is Katie Craig, and she is a retired Navy chief. She is now a defense consultant and cyber educator at Deloitte. And we're going to talk to Katie about her work helping teams accelerate to deliver value safely and securely to customers. She provides guidance on tools, technologies, and methods such as cloud security, agile methods, SDX zero trust, DevOps practices, and this is kind of one of my favorite topics and Mark's as well, shifting security left for DevSecOps and continuous everything. So today we're really going to dial into how she helps teams embrace a DevSecOps culture, some of the biggest pitfalls, as well as uh, best practices. So again, welcome, Katie. And um, I actually want to start, though, when I was cyber stalking you a little bit, not in a creepy okay. way, I read something on your bio that I was like, I love that. And I want you to say more about, you say on your, tech, on your bio, technology is easy. Everyone is doing it. Culture is the challenge and where I can help most. Talk to us about that. Well, thank you. Um, I'm really happy to be here with you guys uh, this morning. And I want to apologize in advance if you hear my cat, Larry, in the background. He's currently (laughs) going through his morning Zoomies um, pandemic for a baby. But uh, yeah, if you hear him, he's fine. Um, Yeah, uh, I'm kind of like trying to think if I can legally hashtag it's the people, stupid Um, I think you should. Yeah, I actually Googled it and somebody did back in the 90s after President Clinton said it's the economy, stupid. Somebody actually said it's the people, stupid. Um, But I want to bring it back into the lexicon and into the vernacular because, um, you know, a lot of these buzzwords that we're hearing in and the zeitgeist DevOps, I need to go buy some Agile. We're going to do some DevOps. Hey, they're selling zero trust. Let's go buy that. You know, it's rarely turnkey solutions out of the box. It's rarely the technology that all these vendors are selling on the internet and, you know, promising is going to be the panacea. Um, no matter how great your tool, no matter how great you know your weapon no matter how great your process if the people don't embrace it if the people aren't brought along and if the people aren't included in deciding that's the tool we're going to use that's the process we're going to embrace um they're going to fight you they're not going to adopt it and maybe even in a bureaucracy they might eventually go along to get along but it will be delayed it will be less of a quality approach. It's always going to come down to the people. We always have to remember that 
our reason for being here, our reason for being in tech, our reason for doing all this work has to come back to the people. I always go back to Gene Roddenberry and Star Trek. I'm a trekker. Um, so I'm directive, <laughs> right? You can That's do right. no harm. Mm-hmm. What are the Boston Dynamics people doing? I worry about the robots. You know, it's got to come back to the people if we're doing this tech and pursuing all these uh, areas, it's got to come back to, is it going to be good for the people? Is it going to make our lives better? Is it going to make the planet better, our country better? You know, that's why I say, you know what, everybody's out there peddling technology and promising that if you install my platform, I'm going to solve all your cyber problems. And it's just not true. Yeah. So when you say, when you say, are you talking are you talking really about the mission or are you talking about getting the people on board with the technology to be able to leverage it and and use it and that sort of thing <coughs> excuse me um you dropped out so i didn't hear the actual verb uh in your question either or I getting that the on people purpose, to just to keep uh, Keep you off balance, you know. Okay. Um, you know, I, I drop on purpose. No, no. Is it is it people as it relates to the mission, or is it the people as it relates to getting them on board with the technology and how it can help them and that sort of thing? Uh, that's a really great question and very insightful because it does go to the unique problem of. Military teams, for example, you know, we have administrative control, operational control. We have organizations in the military that acquire the technology. They decide whether to make or buy the technology to serve the warfighters who are operating the technology. Um, you know, right. those those separations are real and they're part of the challenge because how they're, uh, they're, um, or, you know, organized, regulated, supervised, overseen, they spawn bureaucracy, right? And so I say the people, and I mean all of them in their in their way, the policymakers need to understand that they themselves have a lot to unlearn. And it takes a lot. It takes so much vulnerability in ourselves to say, I need to relearn how to do acquisition. You know, using taxpayer appropriations to buy this capability is different in 2021 than it was in 1970. A1 Abrams you know, containerized application, you know, we, we can't levy the same amount of oversight. So, you know, and the speed, right. It's so, so much delay in that type of bureaucratic oversight and for software, we can't move, we can't move that slowly. So for the people to embrace that there is a new way of us living and fighting and being, um, in the world um, during great power competition, right? You'll hear the military um, leadership talk about, you know, we've got great powers rising and near peer adversaries and 
There's a lot of saber rattling. So they need to understand those people, uh, policymakers, legislators, government leaders, um, that the way that they look at acquisition, acquisition, the way that they look at technology needs to change. I think the users, the the warfighters are actually ahead. They're aware of what could be the art of the possible. They're playing 4K UHD video games online with multi-millions of players. They know what technology can support and do. They're used to using game controllers and joysticks and um, getting information very quickly. I think, you know, getting the warfighters, that group of people to embrace the technology is, is easier in a way. What, what we need to do to help those people is to help them understand that bureaucrats are victims too. It's not like one person can come up in a bureaucracy and change it all. Um, well, and I really like, so just listening to you talk, you said prime directive. So immediately my, you know, do no harm. And it's so <laughs> nice Star Wars. <laughs> no? Star Trek. Oh my gosh. Oh my, Star Trek. Star Trek. Yeah, I was thinking that. <laughs> so, but, but it just made me think, you know, we can lose sight of what this is really all about, which is what you just said. The reason we do all this, yeah, there's the mission, but the whole point of the mission is to make our lives, our families' lives, the earth, to make it better for us, to make, to be happy, to be healthy, the prime directive. And, and I realized as you were talking, I'm like, oh, I can get so focused on, well, is this about the mission or is this about the technology? But what it's all about is us. Exactly. And helping us, helping mm -hmm. the warfighter, helping the program manager, helping the citizen, you know, helping the family. You know, we send volunteers off to join the military. It's not a job. They raise their right hand, swear an oath, you know, they give up certain rights and privileges and they do very dangerous work for us. And the whole ideal and goal, really, if you adopt the people first concept is let's not shed any blood at all. Let's right. avoid peacekeepers, right? Yeah. Peace, right. Let's keep the sea lanes open. Like I, I know the Navy. And so the Navy mission is one that's most clear in my mind, you know, let's, you know, kind of support democracy worldwide. Let's try not to allow, you know, human rights violations. Let's do good for the environment. Just all those noble things that are supposed to bring all of us up, right? As, yeah. as people. And so for me, I always come back to the person, the humanity of the situation, um, acknowledging that they have their <laughs> hopes, dreams, aspirations, no matter who they are, you know, and so working side by side or serving alongside or delivering to a customer, all people, we all should consider the person first. Yeah, and, that, and that is the point of the mission. Yes. Which, so that gets me to, I, I want to talk about uh -huh. these things that you educate on. I mean, that, that, that was a, an incredibly rich answer. We could peel mm -hmm. that bad boy back for the entire discussion today. <laughs> yeah. I mean, really, I mean, 
because you were hitting on so many different things. And it's, I, um, if I can dig in maybe to just more of a specific thing sure. um, uh, and, and ask you to explain to us the importance of DevSecOps to uh, someone in the, in the military. Yeah. See, this is exactly where I was going to go, Mark, is how, what you do with educating at Deloitte, like. It's kind of digging in to yeah. a specific thing. Yeah, yeah. With the DevSecOps, like why is that? important and how do you explain it? Um, so it depends and that's the standard cybersecurity answer. So it depends <laughs> on the, the audience and who's asking the question, why is DevSecOps important to me? Um, if it's the government authority, you know, the government program manager, it's, you know, the mission to accomplish your mission, delivering capability within cost schedule performance. Let's do it fast, but let's do it safely. We bring it down a little bit lower to maybe the program managers on the contractor side. Why do I have to do DevSecOps? Why is this important to me? Well, these cyber people that you've got on the team, they're very expensive and we don't have enough of them and they don't scale. So we're going to hope to try and use the technology to automate some of the routine tests and scans so that your limited, you know, fill in the blank engineer can do more on this product. Um, for the developer themselves who doesn't know anything about security and probably has never been incentivized to care about delivering security features. It's important to communicate to, you know, her, uh, if you build in this control, if you build in this check for multi-factor authentication, then down the line, and I like to say to the left and the right, because I think in the linear pipeline of delivering software, then we don't have to test for it further down the right. So depending on who's asking in the organization, why should I care about DevOps or DevSecOps? Um, that determines how you address the response, right? Is, is this any different, Katie, for the military or outside the military? Or is there a difference? Yes. My, my example I just gave you was like the last team that I was on for a military organization. Okay. Yes. Is it hard to get them to buy into the idea of DevSecOps? Absolutely, it is. It adds, does it add a lot to their workload? So what I find in bureaucracies is the bureaucrats are incentivized to go along. The bureaucracy is there and everything about the incentives support the bureaucracy and the bureaucratic processes. So when you try to tell a government client, maybe a two or three star admiral, yeah, we shouldn't, we shouldn't plan to do that gigantic operational test two years from now. We really should be building in the six week sprint little tests, you know, and uh, we really should not worry about all the outputs and all the requirements uh, that, that you need to know so that you can brief them up to your higher level authority. Um, we need to remember that 
going outside of that process usually results in negative consequences. Is that the culture now, what you just described? I guess I've been in this world of, you know, people that I'm surrounded by all the time really embrace DevSecOps. So what you just described to me, I hope I don't offend too many people, but it sounds very archaic. Like, is that really still the culture? It is. It is. Absolutely. I mean, you have to, you have to remember that um, Kessel Run, Platform One, these are all huge paradigm shifting successes and they get a lot of media coverage. And so mm-hmm. it's easy for us to conflate those successes with, okay, it's, it's enterprise wide. Everyone's practicing it. No, we are absolutely not. And depending on who happens to be in charge, um, determines risk aversion, risk tolerance, right? If I'm a two or three star admiral and I don't like being the first person out there, let me try this. Then I'm risk averse and I'll be like, no, I don't want to take that approach. We'll follow the documented process. That official over there is going to audit our stuff. We've got to back up our schedule 90 days for that, 45 days for because everybody in the bureaucracy has to overlay their checks, right? Mm -hmm. Self-licking ice cream cone, justify my work and my job, because this is how I'm incentivized. This is how the organization has hired us. These are the standard operating procedures, my my performance reviews and merits and promotions depend on how well I do this process. So everything, everything about it fights the change. And that's why change happens about every two to three years, right? No, because that, well, that leadership. The leadership change, the ones that I think you're saying, those are the bureaucrats. I know. that's Yes. Okay. (laughs) So I don't mean bureaucrats as an epithet. I am using them as people who are subject to a bureaucracy, right? right? Even in large corporations, There can be bureaucracies and quote unquote red tape. This is how we do it, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. it's not that anything intentionally started off maliciously or ineffective or inefficient. But what we know in real life and on the ground is if the people don't embrace the change, if the people don't think it's a good idea, if the people don't support that shift or pivot, it's not going to happen or it's going to take a long time. They so, may even outweigh you. Is that where you have to start is, is really at the, the top, the, the, at that bureaucratic level and get the leadership to buy in and have that initiative come down? Or do you go, have you done it both ways, top down, bottom up, which is yep. better? <laughs> Which works better? Uh, Again, cyber answer, it depends, right? It depends (laughs) on the organization, the openness of the organization. And, you know, to bring it back to the people, it depends on the people that you're working with. I think the change has to start simultaneously top down and bottom up, right? So we do have these, we see this pockets of innovation and small groups of military organizations like the Navy in San Diego. I'm I'm familiar that there are some engineering organizations that are experimenting with building strong, safe, psychologically trusting teams. They're workshopping. They're taking new approaches to communicating and collaborating um, how to make the best use of 
what we've learned over the forced remote work during the pandemic, right? They're, they're yeah. realizing now I don't need my team nine hours, butts in seats outside my door. We can do this, <laughs> you know, remotely and we can get better minds on the problem. We can actually use this to our advantage to increase our diversity, you know, uh, bring more people to help us solve this problem. If only we can get out of our way, right? Let's unlearn all these old ways and mm. try and embrace what Silicon Valley has proven, right? They have yeah. proved that you can do it better and faster and safer. As long as we remember we're not Silicon Valley, you know, this is the U.S. military <laughs> um, or the federal government and citizens and taxpayer dollars, um, we can take what they're doing, the best of it, but we can pragmatically apply it, keeping in mind the people that we're talking about and what those people need to do so their jobs. When to you go us. in to set up, to, to help implement and educate on embracing DevSecOps, what are some of the best practices or Let's look at really pragmatic here, I guess. So where do you begin and, and what do you see as best practices for these teams that actually, maybe it starts out super rough, but then they become like, they really embrace this philosophy and they do it well. Um, what, are, what are some of those, like, I guess, best practices to make that happen? For me, my experience has proved that back to the person if you get to know the people on your team as individuals and really get to know them and try to remove all the transactional stuff it's not i need you because you're an awesome coder it's i really want to get to know you because you're my teammate right we're working together to solve this or accomplish this mission I don't know if it's a blessing or a curse, but what I do know is military leadership. I was an army brat, and then I joined the Navy when I was 18. I was a chief in the world's finest Navy and part of a mess, a chief's mess, that, that teaches and encourages and lives get to know your people. Your job is to know your sailors. And I, you know, do this on the teams too. know your teammates because and know what's important to them. Where did they come from? Where did they mm. want to go? And remember it. It's important because you're trying to make authentic, genuine, personal connections so that you two together can do better work to deliver on the mission. Remember who they are and what they want, because you probably know somebody who can help them. And so that six degrees of separation comes into play where you, and that's what chiefs do. The mess is worldwide, right? It's like, oh, I know that a chief on that ship, or I know the master chief over there and my guy is transferring. Let me connect them. Do that with your teams. Encourage them to get to know each other. As a leader, facilitate that with icebreakers and fun. And do you do that as, as a consultant? Do you do things absolutely. to facilitate this? Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. I encourage things like 
books with happy hours, get to know each other. I recommend 15 minute coffee talks and for the teams to get together in, in tough times, you know, when we're facing what seems like, um, insurmountable challenges, that's when you really get an opportunity to get your team to bond. Um, there, there's this term in the military, we call it trauma bonding. And I know that maybe other industries refer to it for things like Stockholm syndrome and uh, kidnappers, <laughs> but, you know, really, healthcare really difficult healthcare <laughs> professionals. Yes. Yeah. But really difficult challenges can be traumatic. And in the military, you're faced with those quite frequently. And getting through those types of challenges can form a bond that will last your entire life uh, on both sides. And so I'm not saying anything as, you know, you know, as heavy or as, uh, as serious as that is going to happen with every connection that you make, but it could. And even in the tough times, if you work together and the better, you know, your team and you know, you can rely on them and they have your back and you have theirs, the more successes you get through, the deeper that bond is. And you can build those types of lasting relationships, even in industry. Yeah. When it, when it, when it comes to implementing DevSecOps in the military or the Navy in this case, what pitfalls have you found or have you come across? I think it's the separation of authorities, right? So when you think about how the military is organized and the authorities and where they get their money and all the congressional oversight on how the money is spent... And we can't negate the importance of it. Your tax dollars, my tax dollars, very important that they, they spend it wisely in the way that it's approved and authorized, right? Um, those separations make it so difficult to streamline, to even have visibility end-to-end on where the waste might be. There's so many handoffs between yeah. each of the silos. They're all using different tech they're not opening their tech to APIs. The tech can't talk to each other. I mean, there's so many, there's so many places to start challenges with who owns all the different platforms. We say the Navy, but there are different engineers working on ships than there are submarines, then working on yeah. airframes, working on the computers and radios that go in the ships. And once they're in the ships, oh, who owns that technology, who owns the data? It's just yeah. so split and segmented. Uh, even the money lines, who's, I mean, when you go up to the highest levels, it's just very difficult. And I, I, re I listened to one of your earlier podcasts, and I think it was Tracy Bannon who said, um, it all started with good intentions, right? These were good ideas in the beginning, mm -hmm. but you know what they say about that. <laughs> right. Right. So I do think though, like you mentioned Kessel Run, you mentioned some of the other programs that we're making progress, right? And you're making progress. You're, you're working with teams to implement some of these best, best practices like DevSecOps. Um, so there's hope. <laughs> Absolutely, there's hope. I mean, that's part of the human condition, right? 
We're hopeful. We're optimistic. We want for better things. I think that's universal. I think it's in people to want to do better, to do good things. And that's helpful to remember when trying to, you know, engender psychological trust and build that psychological safety on your teams, just reminding everybody that they came to work to do a good job. The developer mm-hmm. didn't mean to write that bad code, I don't think, on purpose. And uh-huh. so just reminding, you know, everyone that, you know, we let's assume positive intent. Um, let's remember that communications is a skill. Not everybody's great at it. Um, let's acknowledge that the younger people coming into the workforce today, I saw, I saw on a masterclass coach, I might say his name wrong, Ariema, UConn's women's basketball coach, super winning coach. He said, I've got 19 year old players and it's very difficult to talk to them. I try to get them to tell me face to face what's wrong with them and they, the words fail them. But if I put them in the other room, they can text me exactly what's bothering them. So we need to be aware that people, that technology is transforming the world. It's transforming how people interact with the world and each other and technology. And so we just have to be mindful of these things and accommodate that. And, yeah. and it's our challenge. Yeah. Us. And these, these kind of conversations are what keeps it moving. And I think we're going to get a list of all of the admirals and we're going to, we're going to blast this podcast. Can <laughs> <laughs> you put in the disclaimer about my opinions being my own opinions? Like you did here. <laughs> These these are Katie's for the Air opinions, Force officer. Yes, and they should be followed absolutely. So, all right, we're going to go to our tech talk questions. Mark, I'm going to let you ask the throw the first question out at Katie. So these are just quick answer questions, um, oh sentence boy. or less. So all these right, are fun. These are these are fun things. So, yeah. what do you think the next big leap in technology is going to be? What was that Tom Cruise movie? <gasps> Minority Report. Minority Report. I think yes. we're very close to Minority Report. I do too. Oh boy. Oh boy. Yeah. So that's that's kind of like AI, right? Well, yeah, but it's even more than that where they can see like what happens before it happens. It's predictive. Yes, it's predictive analytics and um, it's uh, stopping crimes before it happens. And the reason I believe that is very close to happening right now is we think that we we have so much agency, but we are so predictable. And our data, you think your phones are listening to you, but they're not. It's your data telling the phone to give Mm -hmm. you that ad. Yeah, I thought you were talking about when they did the eye, they put the eyes. That too, Mark. (laughs) In Scandinavia, there's already implants. People are already putting the implants. Have you seen the new James Bond? I'm just saying. Okay, next question. Um, You already mentioned books, and I want you to just list some things that you like to listen to: TV, books, movies. It doesn't have to be technology, but you know, what are you, what are you reading these days? It can be in tech or not. So I'm just now finishing um, a book on psychological safety. There's not very much out there. So I try to consume what I can find. 
um, the four stages of psychological safety. Um, I am, even in my classes, I recommend Black Mirror on Netflix. It's yes. uh, about right? the dark side of technology mm-hmm. and, you know. But also some cool pieces of technology. It's all cool. Yeah. But it's okay. what could yeah, go right, wrong, you're right, you're right? right? It's yep. the it's the dystopian view, yeah. right? And so I, I, I'm that type of cyber person. I'm the yeah. skeptic, and I tend more towards. But what could go wrong? And that's just how I lean. And so I'm the one that's always saying, just because we can't do it, doesn't mean we should. Love it. Okay. Yeah. Black Mirror, four stages of psychological safety, the kill chain. Um, and then I, I re- rotate, I read books, you know, regularly. And so I, I regularly go through Gene Kim's, the DevOps handbook. I love the Phoenix project, the unicorn project, highly recommend. And then going back, I recommend Eli Goldratt's The Goal. I think that's an awesome hmm. book about lean and, um, Lean manufacturing, if you haven't read about Herbie and the drum and the rope, I highly recommend it. It's still relative and highly germane for DevOps practitioners today. Uh, the Goal by Eli okay, Goldberg. I have not heard of that one, so excellent. All right, Mark, okay. you get the next one. Well, what is your favorite gadget or app right now? Oh my gosh. And I'm not going to call it a guilty pleasure because pleasure should not be guilty. (laughs) Amen. (laughs) But don't judge me. Uh, Even I need mind candy. We all need mind candy. So consuming TikTok. Really? I consume TikTok. I don't create. What have you learned on TikTok? I've learned so much on TikTok. You guys have no idea. I could diagnose ADHD. (laughs) I can make salmon rice. (laughs) I love it. All right. If you could wave your your technology magic wand, you could have anything you want. What would it be? If I could wave my technology magic wand. Yeah. What's what's your wish. What I would do, my wish would be to restore the soil Ooh. on the planet yes. and the effects of all the monoculture farming mm-hmm. we've been doing that mm-hmm. contributed to all the erosion. And I just think we need to restore soil as much as possible so that the rest of life can can benefit from it. So. So that we technology can do that that would be awesome regenerative uh farming so there you go excellent well katie thank you so much for taking time with us today thanks to all of our listeners please visit the show notes we're going to have katie's recommendations in there and um share this episode smash that like button and we will be back next week katie thanks so much thank you katie Thank you so much for having me. It's been a pleasure. Thanks for joining Tech Transforms. Please post a review, share this episode, and follow us on LinkedIn and Twitter.